number seven, Stan Phillips. special day today is it's a beautiful day in the New York area weather wise of course it's gonna be 70 degrees and sunny and how fitting for the big big day at it city field yes today we honor Tom Seaver by unveiling his statue and it's gonna be a, an emotional moment for me Tom's my favorite professional athlete of all time and I'm sure for a lot of Met fans too it's gonna to be a very very emotional day but not only that, to kick it off, we come home as a first place ball club, five and two in the NL East. Five games winning on the road out of seven, not too shabby once against your division foes. And better than anything, we come home, we're playing the Diamondbacks. I will, it should be a successful, you never take anything for granted, but it should be a successful three game series with the D-backs and hopefully with Chris Bassett uh, pitching who, if you go by his last performance, was quite the bulldog out there, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him pitch today. It should be fun. Now, yesterday was an off day for the Mets. They did have an optional workout. Uh, and Buck Walter's not the one to force the issue, so I'm not sure how many players actually showed up. But as long as they're ready for today, I guess that's okay with Buck, and that's okay with me. Now with the Mets coming home for this big, big series, what can we look forward to? Well, we can look forward to a lot of excitement at City Field. I know I am, and I know you are too. But on top of that, uh, some of the things we need to look at are, well, you can't have a letdown. There's a lot of pop in the circumstances of the home opener, and things will be ratcheted up even more. Uh, due to the two big events. The first one will be the unveiling of the Tom Seaver statue in front of Ballpark. Uh, that's at 10.30 at SNY. We'll be having live coverage of it. As part of your pregame coverage, I'll continue through the first pitch at 110. And the second is the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the MLB color barrier as a member of the Brooklyn Dodgers, which will be celebrated throughout baseball on Friday. Now, as far as on the field goes, it will be the Bulldog Bassett on the mound for the Mets in his first home start since being acquired from the Oakland Athletics. Now, one of the questions that's always going to be raised is the Met bullpen. Who can be trusted in the Met bullpen? While a 5-2 record to open the season is nothing to scoff at, the Mets could and arguably should be 7-0. That they aren't isn't because the bullpen melted down in two separate eighth innings, one against the Nationals and one against the Phillies. The bullpen can always cost you. It's cost us in the past, and it cost us so far from having an undefeated season. And it's fair to ask, even at this early stage, how many Met relievers can be trusted. The list right now might be Edwin Diaz and Drew Smith. Both have lively arms. I think those are going to be your two big guys coming out of the bullpen. And Jason Shreve is going to be the man against lefties. Uh, with question marks next to Seth Lugo and Adam Adovino. Lugo and Adovino, I think, are very, very good arms. Uh, they'll get things done. I'm a big Seth Rugo fan, as you guys know, and Adam Adovino is a seasoned vet, so it should be good. 
Now, Trevor May has struggled in his first appearance in his day-to-day -day with a minor triceps issue. Now, Joey Rodriguez, who was required for Miguel Castro on what seemed like a curious move for the Mets, has so far shown no ability to get right-handers out and was yanked from Wednesday's game in Philadelphia due to control issues. And that was after Sean Reed fully faulted with an 8-1 lead. I love Sean Reed Foley's stuff. I just sometimes think he's just way into consistent, and that could be with him just maturing, or maybe he just needs work from the pitching staff. Now, another question is, how will the Mets fill Taiwan Walker's rotation spot? With Walker on the 10-day IL due to shoulder bursitis, he will miss his next scheduled start, and likely more with manager Buck Schwartzer saying Walker, because he hasn't stretched out enough innings-wise, will likely have to make a rehab start before being activated. Now, it was David Peterson who relieved Walker in Philadelphia earlier this week and gave the Mets four scoreless innings while dancing through a bit of trouble. And it seemed reasonable to expect Peterson to slide into Walker's rotation spot, but Showalter made no guarantees. Now, I like Peterson. He's an extra arm, but I don't know how much we can count on him. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, but, like I said, the blessing in the skies of all is with Tyler McGill. He has been the horse, and I'm really looking forward to big things from Tyler. Now, when Walker's spot comes up on Sunday, it could be Peterson or it could be Trevor Williams. My choice in the matter would be uh, Peterson. I'm not a big Trevor Williams fan. Uh, hopefully, he proves me wrong. Now, if the Mets dip into the minors for a starter, which could be a bit unexpected, pitchers on the 40-man roster includes Jose Budo. But that would really be searching deep and low to get a starter. Now, you got to love what Carlos Carrasco presented to the Mets early in the... Uh, rotation his first time out uh, he has been sparkling so far and if Carrasco can continue to resemble the pitcher he was in Cleveland it will go a long way to New York matching the absence of Jacob DeGrom in his first start Carrasco after giving up a first inning homer was nearly flawless overall he allowed one run on two hits and five and two-thirds innings while striking while walking none and striking out five while carving up the Nats Carrasco only threw his fastball 31.9% of the time he relied heavily on his slider, 27.8%, change of 23.6%, and curve 16.7% to keep hitters off balance. Now, one of the things with the opening series weekend with the D-backs is, D-backs are probably one of the worst teams in baseball, if not the worst. Uh, they're definitely a non-contender, and one reason, reason of that is their performance the last few years. But you got to remember the 2021 Giants. They weren't expected to be contenders, so any team can uh, turn it around in a year. They're all professionals, so you can't take them lightly. But it really is hard to see the Diamondbacks with a feature in the middle of the order that includes David Peralta, Carson Kelly, and Patman Smith doing much this season. The main hitter any opposing team will need to be wary of is Cattell Marte. He's an all-star type player. Now, when it comes to Arizona's starting rotation, it's Zach Davies, Zach Gallon. Uh, they were both very good in uh, previous years, but kind of had off years last year. And Khalid Smith and their lineup to face the Mets this weekend. So there you have it. That's what we've got to look forward to. We've got the D-backs come in, and it should be fun. I'm ready. Are you ready? I know who is ready. It's the Met rotation. Now, the Mets got injury news on DeGrom that no one was expecting. And the news put a serious damper on the regular season. Now, the injury to Grom, which could result in the ace making his season debut around June 1st, should be something. 
can he make it back without issue? Negrom should be his regular dominant self when he returns. Now, in Negrom's absence, a met rotation without him has been asked to pick up the slack. Though there were certain valid concerns about some of those pitchers heading into the season, the likelihood of rotation being strong enough without Negrom was high. So no one should be too surprised that the first seven games of the season have looked like this. McGill, 10.1 innings pitched. And no runs. Max Scherzer, 11 point innings, 11 innings pitched, four runs on eight hits. Chris Bassett, six innings pitched, no runs, three hits. Carlos Carrasco, five and two-third innings pitched, one run, two hits. Then there's Taiwan Walker, who was also going to join the party when he pitched 2.0 perfect innings before leaving his first start and being relieved by David Peterson, who scored 4.0 scoreless. I guess you can even throw Peterson as one of those starters who pitched well. And everything up. Add everything up, and the Mets starting pitching is getting five runs in 35 innings while walking five and striking at 41. Those are all-star numbers for any pitcher. Well, those are all-star numbers for the entire Mets pitching staff. When looking at what the pitching has done, it's perhaps fair to say that just how good McGill has looked has been a bit unexpected, especially when you consider how his 2021 season ended. And the Mets were right to bolster the rotation to the point where McGill was originally a terrific depth option. But to watch McGill come out firing 99 miles per hour during his first start and eventually settle in around 96 with his fastball while featuring a strong slider and changeup was to watch someone whose upside is tremendous. And he featured the same kind of stuff in his second start without the opening day adrenaline. Following McGill was Scherzer, who kept an axe in check in his first start despite intentionally holding back while continuing to get back past a minor hamstring issue that pushed his season debut back a day. Scherzer's fastball wasn't much of a weapon in that start because of the self-imposed restriction. But that changed on Wednesday, Wednesday against the Philadelphia Phillies. Against the Phillies, Scherzer looked more like himself despite a rocky first inning, inducing lots of swings and misses on a fastball that topped out at 97 miles per hour. Then there is Bassett, whose signature moment in his first game came when he struck out Juan Soto in a key early game situation. Speaking after the game, Bassett said he fears no one. And, you know, love that bulldog mentality, including Soto. And that showed during his Mets debut. In Carrasco's first start, he was in complete control. And despite the fact that his first season in Queens was difficult, he lost the first four months to injury and struggle when he returned. It was always fair to believe Carrasco, at the age of 35, with a recently cleaned-out elbow, could be a strong contributor this season. Now, even if Carrasco isn't the number two starter, he was in Cleveland. What he provides should be plenty for a team with rotation led by Scherzer, Bassett, and eventually DeGrom. And again, the Mets rotation as a whole has done so far what could be expected if they lived up to their complete capabilities and they have so far. Now, I, before the season even began, I was pointing out the different things, uh, both pro and con, about the Mets rotation. And I did tell you guys I had faith in the rotation without DeGrom because you cannot poo-poo the accomplishments of Scherzer and Bassett and their potential to this season. And I did say Carrasco, that when healthy, is one of the best too. You know, Miguel, if you've been with us since the beginning on these podcasts, I told you about his potential. The guy is a horse. He reminds me of like a 6'7 Roger Clemens out there. Uh, he has bulldog mentality, and he has the stuff to match it. So it's no reason not to expect the Mets rotation to be this dominant during the season. 
things will even out a bit. No pitching staff could be this good forever. There will be hiccups, but that's part of a 162-game schedule. But it is reasonable to expect this rotation to continue to be an asset and help the Mets stay near the top of the standings while DeGrom works his way back. And DeGrom is already halfway through his four-week shutdown, which means he could potentially be cleared to start throwing in two weeks. Now, isn't that good news? Time flies, doesn't it, Mets fans? So picturing a rotation funded by DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett with Carrasco, McGill, and Walker's options for a number four and five spot could make the Mets and Mets fans like myself and you salivate. But until then, they'll have to make do with what they have. And don't never fear, Mets fans. That is But the one pleasant surprise that's even caught me a little bit off guard has been Drew Smith and how he is throwing the ball. He is throwing good. He's been dominant. And he looks ready to emerge as a late-inning force at age 28. If he could avoid more of the arm injuries that sidelined him in recent years. Toward that end, Smith says he overhauled his off-season workout regimen, going to more of a stability-based program, lifting lighter weights and years of maxing out in the weight room in search of strength and velocity. Smith says he needed to try something differently because obviously what I was doing wasn't working. Smith told me in Philadelphia before Wednesday's game, I'd always liked moving heavyweight. I like feeling strong. My thought was that if you feel good, you play good. Or would always come back to bite me with the injuries. Uh, so he's looked at all type of programs that focus more on the smaller muscles with slow and controlled reps. And uh, the stability program for him seems to be working. And the results have been impressive as well. Smith has yet to give up a run in three appearances, racking up six strikeouts in three and two-thirds innings, following two hits and no walks. As such, it's vital that he stay healthy as this Mets bullpen looks to be lacking quality depth and Smith is likely going to be counted on as a high leverage reliever for the first time in his career. On Tuesday night, Smith got his biggest test so far, coming into the seventh inning with one out and a 2 nothing lead and getting five outs, three of them strikeouts, to hand the ball to Edwin Diaz for the save. For someone who was primarily a power pitcher throwing his fastball 97 miles per hour with a hard slider, Smith showed a changeup that could make him effective against left-handed hitters as well as right-handers. Facing Deke Gregorius with a runner on second and two outs in the seventh. In fact, Smith started him off with two changeups, getting a swing and a miss, and a weak foul ball setting him up to throw 97 past, past him for a 97-mile-an-hour strikeout. Even Buck Showalter took note that the changeups he featured, you don't see that often. The changeups he threw back-to-back might have been one of the key parts of the game. Now, Showalter chuckled, noting he was well aware of Smith's potential in part because his son, Nathan, a scout with the Baltimore Orioles, had scouted Smith when he pitched in college at Dallas Baptist University with Division I power and come away looking like what he saw, came away looking, liking what he saw. So, uh, Buck had some insight info on Drew Smith, so that makes him a fan right there. Now, Smith was a third-round draft choice out of Dallas Baptist in 2015 by the Detroit Tigers. And, uh, was traded by the Tampa Bay Rays in April of 2017 and then acquired by the Mets for Lucas Duda at the trade deadline that same year. He showed some promise as a rookie in 2018, then tore his elbow tendon and needed Tommy John surgery, missing the 2019 season. Returning in 2020, Smith developed a hard slider, mostly pitching the off-speed curve he had in college, and that took him to another level as a big league pitcher. As such, he pitched to a 2.40 ERA last season but was limited to 31 appearances because of a shoulder injury, while pitching only occasionally in high leverage spots. 
Now it appears he'll play a bigger role. One scout who has seen him this season says he looks more polished with a little more command. Smith said he believes he's ready to take on the responsibility of being a late-inning reliever. Uh, and I think he has the capability to do that. When you have stuff like that, and you have control, and you can add a changeup, you are going to be something else. Now, he hasn't gotten all his velocity back. Before Tommy John, he could hit 99, but he's at 97. There's potential. He could be right back at 99. Now, with that in mind, what a pleasant surprise having hard throwers like McGill and Tyrus, and, and Tyler McGill and Drew Smith have been. They are two bulls out there, and it is looking good. And I can't wait to see how they do this season. All right, now it's time to celebrate big birthdays and transactions on this date, April 15th, which is Jackie Robinson Day. Happy birthday to Jeremy Bermetz, born on this date in 1969. Birthday greetings to Ricky Otero, born this date in 1972. Birthday greetings to Aaron Laffey, born this date in 1985. Birthday greetings to Adani Hechevera, born this date in 1989. And birthday greetings to Daniel Zamora, this date in 1993. On that transactions front, the Mets traded Max Scarce on this date in 1975 to the Cincinnati Reds for the blade, Tom Hall. On this date in 1979, the Mets signed free agent Jose Aquendo. And on this date in 1987, the Mets signed free agent Alberto Castillo. So there's your transactions and your birthdays on this date. Now let's go to today's Jeopardy and Trivia question, shall we? But before we do that, I want to remind everybody that if you're not a member of the baseball group, the New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, and you're a diehard Mets fan and on Facebook, check us out. We're there for you. Uh, so we serve your Met needs 365-724. So do check us out. Uh, now for today's trivia and Jeopardy questions. Who's ready? We're going to do the Jeopardy first. We're going to give you the two clues on opening day, March 31st, 2014. He started in place of Chris Young and hit a three-run homer in the first inning off of Steven Strasburg. He was claimed off waivers by the Oakland A's on October 31st, 2014, and the Athletics paid him for assignment on November 23rd when they acquired Ike Davis. Now today's trivia question. What former Met pitcher won the most games in his career before joining the Mets? We'll be back in a few minutes with the answers. Let's talk about some of the things we discussed in the Met group uh, in the past 24 hours. We mentioned that on this date in 1968, at the Astrodome, the New York Mets and the Houston Astros played the longest game in National League history, the six-hour and six-minute contest in which each team has 79 at-bats and 11 hits ends in the 24th inning when Bob Asmani's rounder goes through the legs of shortstop Al Weiss as the Astros win 1-0. Now the game set the mark as the longest NL game played to completion, the longest Major League night game, and the first 23 innings are the longest Major League scoreless game ever. The game ties the American League's longest complete game, A's 4, Boston Americans won in 24 innings on September 1st, 1906. Then on this date in 1997, we remember the fact that 57 years after the historic event, I'm sorry, 50 years after the historic event, Major League Baseball begins the tradition of Jackie Robinson Day, an annual celebration marking the, color, the day the color line was broken. At big league parks across the country, there are ceremonies honoring the groundbreaking uh, 
Dodgers second baseman, including Commissioner Bud Selig, joining his wife, Rachel Robinson, for a Shea Stadium tribute. What a great day that was. Just like today is going to be a great day at City Field. Now we're going to give you the answers to the Jeopardy, as we always do at the end of the podcast. Uh, if you're hearing a little rumbling in the background, I'm actually doing this podcast today remotely. I'm on my way to City Field, and I'm on a bus. So bear with me if there's any technical difficulties. It's not going to happen that often. Maybe a little rumble in the background, I'm not sure, but we're doing this. So get one out for you, I can say we always do. Hope you appreciate the effort. The two clues again. On opening day, March 31st, 2014, he starred in place of Chris Young and did a three-run home in the first inning off of Steven Strasburg. The second clue, he was claimed off waivers by the Oakland Athletics on October 31st, 2014. The Athletics designated him for assignment on November 23rd when they acquired Ike Davis. Second clue, traded by the Mets to the Kansas City Royals in exchange for... Oh, no, no, that's it, that's it. Scratch that clue. Oh, boy, what am I doing here? Those are your two clues, and the answers are... Is, I should say. I got my mind at City Field and get there. I'm sorry, I'm all, my attention's all diverted. You should not have to suffer because of it. The correct answer to today's uh, Mets final jeopardy is who is Andrew Brown? Congrats to our... Jeopardy expert Kareem Hayward on getting that one. Hayward, I should say. And today's Met trivia question was what former Met pitcher won the most games in his career for joining the Mets? Well, the correct answer is Warren Spahn with 356. Congrats to Jeff Borer on being the first to submit the correct answer. Well, that's going to wrap things up on this beautiful Friday, Good Friday, opening day, Jackie Robinson Day. Everything's coming together today. So I hope you enjoy your day. Check back tomorrow when we recap today's game and all the festivities at City Field. And as always, enjoy the special day today. Enjoy the special year that the Mets are going to have. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Let's go, Mets. And thanks for listening.